Welcome to Wait Long by the River. We're here to wander around inside the heads of some of Australia's great creative minds. We're going to be talking to fascinating types across all mediums in the hope that if we peer into this particular abyss for long enough, it'll peer into us and that'll make us peers and then it'll share some of its creative secrets with the rest of us. We'll be releasing two shows a month. One will be recorded in our Gold Street studio with Hemingway the Cat. The other will be recorded live on the first Wednesday of every month at some velvet morning in Clifton Hill. You could be catching up on this recording from the distant future, in which case drop us a line on Twitter at Long by the River to tell us how the Nick Cave interview goes. If you're listening in a more timely fashion, come along to our next live recording on May 7th to hear the rambling man magic of Skyscraper Stan. For our first episode, we talk the Scottish brogue and walk the winding road of the dark and handsome Rich Davies. He's equally at home in a sequin jumpsuit or wearing his heart on the sleeve of his navy blue singlet, and he joined us at some velvet morning to talk growing up grunge in Fife, the anguish that could be caused by a misdiagnosis, and the redemption of living to record his first album. Great. I feel like because the music's off, we're good to go. All right. That's good enough. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the beginning of a new series in which we unearth Australia's other great exportable resource. We mine the creative genius that's coming out of this city and out of this country. I'm going to be finding out everything I can about every genius who crosses my path. And the first one I've got today, I couldn't be happy to have along. Uh, I'll introduce him in a second. I just want to let you guys know what's going on because there's some bewildered stares coming from up the back. We're sitting here at some velvet morning, easily my favorite bar in the city, and I'm so glad it's my local because we eat the veggie nachos here at least once a week. And if you're not eating the veggie nachos right now, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, thank you. There's a I can see six or seven half-eaten plates of veggie nachos from where I'm sitting, so that's a good sign. Uh, this is going to be a podcast. It's going to be called Wait Long by the River. We might at some point get into why it's called that, but I don't really feel like I should spend too much time explaining it. When I could be talking to tonight's guest, he's a dangerous troubadour. He's a folker on one hand and a rocker on the other. A rock folker and everything in between. He's from a long genealogy of great musical talent. And if I didn't have him up here, I'd just be talking to myself like I am right now. So I'm glad, and you're glad, that I get to introduce Rich Davies, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the leap, man, and being my first guest on this show. Uh, cheers, man. No, like I said to you. Oh. Get rid of the reverb, can we? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just Whoa. the natural sound that comes out of your... The out sound of, of God. <laughs> Didn't want to flatter no, you, yeah, but I was so going to say Thanks, that. brother. Yeah, no, um, nah, like I said to you, doing anything uh, that sounds a little bit fucking crazy right now, I'm, I'm in. Come me in, yeah. Great, yeah, because you said to me before when we were talking that this is like a yes year for you. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's right. Um, just... Uh, think about the person that you want to be um and the the person maybe that your your fears are attached to you know like uh so if it sounds a little bit scary or a little bit excellent um don't talk yourself out of it just um be you know what i mean like uh so uh, yeah my whole year has been has been based on that and it's been a wild year so far so like yeah so. that made it really easy for me because that meant i didn't have to talk you into it you talked yourself into it i just put the idea out there and no that was it no yeah. i mean honestly it's been like 
the, oh, that sounds mental. I've got to do this. I don't really know what to expect. But um, yeah, no, nah, count me in, you know, so. Great. Well, so that that's the same with everything. <laughs> that plants a great seed for, let's like a teaser for later in the thing, because now everyone's going to know what's happened in you yes year. But can we go back first oh, yeah. to Young Rich? Yeah, for real. I mean, yeah. well, that's an interesting thing, right? Because if you... The existing interviews that are out there are always with really famous people like Celine Dion, right? And everybody already knows Celine Dion's story, so they just want to get straight to the, like, how, how old were you when you started playing music? But some people who might be listening to this might not have been exposed to the glamour of Rich Davies oh, yet. Of course, yeah. No, so, pretty bloody so sure. who are you? Me? Um, well, I'm Rich. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm a paradox of a rock and roller. Like, yeah, that's it. So, um, I... Pff, I've been here 12 years living in this beautiful little bubble that is the inner north, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've played in a variety of musical groups over that time, uh, from indie to folk and fucking mental shit. Um, and just, yeah, I just, I am just absorbing fucking the awesome that is Melbourne. I really, yeah, that's, that, that's something really fundamental to who I am now, yeah. But, um, you know, just been, got the Devil's Union. Um, I recently started a new band called the King King Wolf, like a blues band. Uh, I do my solo stuff, mm -hmm. and some people knew me from a sort of post-punk pop band from sort of two thousand and eight, nine. Spun 10. Rivals. Spun Rivals, yeah. Yeah, which was definitely so. when I was flicking through all your material online. As soon oh, as yeah. I heard Spun Rivals, I was like, "Damn, this is the band I wished I was in when I was like twenty. Yeah. I love that. I can just see all the guitar pedals arrayed before you. As yeah, you set out pretty to play dated. Stuff. Pretty dated. But, oh, um, it always... I mean, but I had a lot of fun. Yeah, we have good fun. How do you find time of the day to be part of so many different things? You know what? I, I just, it's funny that. Like, uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about um, things being easy and hard. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a musician, like, fucking probably half the room, right? And at least a third from my yeah. current head count. Not that I know everyone in the room. And the 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 thing the thing <laughs> I think is that like I just fucking do it. You know, like music, it comes easy. Um mm -hmm. doing as much music as possible is like a big head nod, you know. Um but things like paying my phone bill on time, I forget about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're like, Oh fuck, I got that email again. Even when I do have money in the bank to pay it, you know, which is rare. But um um but you know, like I just that shit's not important to me. But fucking, you know, music is just, you know. And it's like I was talking to this guy the day in a truck, um, and he was talking about like musicians and stuff. And he's got that kind of mainstream concept of what they think musicians all want to do. You know, like you've got um, they just think that we all are the X Factor people. You know, like. And it's like they, they're, it's like, oh, so you want to be famous, therefore you picked music to get you to be famous or something, you know what I mean? But like, it's like, well, no, I just fucking picked up a guitar when I was a kid and couldn't stop, you know what I mean? And I yeah. wanted to do that as much as possible, therefore I've done it as much as possible. And I guess, you know, in the old days when fame and fortune was still some kind of a dream for a musician, um, then you'd think, well, that was a sort of byproduct of you doing it more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you can do it all the fucking time uh, and still be totally povel. But you know, <laughs> I think I think there's uh, there were probably a lot of people back in the day 
who, if they could time travel and hear that, would say, hey, we're back here in the 60s and we're doing it all the fucking time as well and yeah. we're still Povo. Yeah, for like, real. Exactly. The, the people that you hear about are the people who are I think, number one. I think actually music is winning on that regard. Like actually, actual music, you know? Um, like just on another sort of, following that thread of like, you know, the, the changes in the music industry. It's like back in the olden days, people never really, before the 50s, before the, the music industry, Nobody gave a shit about who wrote the song. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like all these bands would go around and they'd all just be playing the repertoire or like their repertoire. And it was the same as the other band's repertoire or whatever, you know? Yeah. But like all those great folk songs and blues songs from like, you know, whenever, people don't even know who wrote them. You know what I mean? But they've been passed down generations and, you know, and I think there's an interesting argument because of course there's the argument for musicians being paid what they're worth, right? Yeah. Um, but then also the the journey of like you know the song the creation the the pioneering of a new thing um you know there's a lot of music that's getting made right now in the sort of sample based sort of music that i, that I don't actually know an awful lot about but um i've heard that there's a lot of this music that actually can't get released because there's so many fucking samples that um they just can't get it approved therefore mm. that's stifling the growth of a certain kind of creativity you know what i mean like yep. uh because it's not getting released therefore people aren't doing it you know what i mean like but then you know that's just another side of the argument you know what i mean because then you get other guys that are really old and they need the money from these samples to fucking pay their electricity bill because they had like one hit in the 60s mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they're like well actually no i'll fucking take that money please and it's like all right and it's like who's so, more deserving then exactly you, have to you know yourself. so yeah that's it. It's, uh, there's no simple answer. You know what I mean? The great tragedy for me in that area was the Avalanches, who came out with one of the so great records of Australian music ever. And uh, since, I, since I left you. And then we've been waiting for the second album for 13 years because they, they stepped onto the back foot when they realised how much shit they're in uh, with the samples. And they yeah. spent most of the money they earned from one of Australia's biggest internationally trending records just paying off people who were suing them left, right and centre. For real? And now they're both successful... You know, DJ Dex is one of the, the big international DJs that you don't hear about because he's yeah. always playing. He's not playing like uh, Tiesto-style stadiums. He's playing the Prince of Dubai's private party with Kylie Minogue oh, after right. him and stuff. Yeah, like for real, he's making millions of dollars that way. And he's saying, well, why, why, would I why would I go through all the effort and the crate digging and the fastidious fixing together of songs if I could yeah. just okay. make that Well, million. there you go. That's my point proved. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Awesome. Yeah, you make a point. I back it up with evidence. We move on. Boom. Yeah. I just talk shit and he tries to validate it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I need you around me all the time. <laughs> I do charge a modesty for that. Uh, I know I picked up a guitar and for that matter, most of the things that I've done in my life uh, because I saw someone else doing it and I thought, oh, I could do it better than that. That's always been my motivation. It's not a very glorious motivation. I think mm -hmm. I'm getting over it. But when you first picked up that guitar when you were 12, mm. what... What made you pick it up? Like, was it girls? Was it? Oh man, this is a fucking can of worms. Like, Rich Davis, I, I'm bad at keeping stories brief, but uh, I'll try my best. Oh, don't worry, we got we got ages. Um, you guys are here all night, right? Oh, yeah, dear. good. Um, shit. Oh, Start from the beginning. Yeah, no, this is good though, man, because you're you're forcing me to think. Fucking, I've I've got a lot of little stories in my head that I can rattle off, but um, this is, um, not one. Um. Right, my old man's a folk singer. Um, mm -hmm. Bruce Davis is called, and um, he was in this sort of like fucking hell raising um, folk 
group uh, in the 80s called Beggar's Mantle and they do the pub gigs like nothing else and you know whiskey in the jar and all this sort of like fucking foot stomping they were really good at the ballads too and that's what my dad went on to do as a solo artist later mm-hmm. um, but I grew up with the sweaty pub fucking circuit and I was on tour with them all the time I went to Germany when I was like five you know so I went to wow. tour with them and it's like the Beatles but they <laughs> had to wait till they no. were 17 <laughs> yeah no yeah well, yeah, we went, it was like near Munich, this twin town with my hometown, like Ingolstadt. Um, and um, yeah, we just did a lot of gigs. And, you know, dad decided that it was a cool thing to bring his five-year-old kid along for the ride. Yeah. Um, and um, so it was just great. I mean, I mean, it was no different from the rest of my childhood, though. You know, like, it'd be like, you know, before I was at school or if it was a school holiday or whatever, would just be running around with my dad as he dropped posters off at venues and like got speaking to the owner of a venue and you're just sitting there in a pub hanging out underneath the pool table as he was talking forever. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, he's telling another story. Fuck. This sounds familiar to me yeah, all of a sudden. No, no, you were no, just exactly. saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> so it was just like, oh. It's really funny, like, I found myself in this life, you know, because it was just going to happen. And, you know, I, I was telling somebody a story recently about Guinness because I always used to... Bill, Bill MacArthur, he was the, the other side of the duel, um, and he sadly died a couple of years ago of a heart attack. And he, he was one of those fucking great guys that everybody was friends with, but he would just live 24-7 and mm-hmm. pretty big and smoked and... and shining light but he just burned burned fucking and then stopped burning you know what i mean um sounds like you had a pretty good run that would have been several decades of living that shining light oh, though, he, right? he was amazing yeah he, he was uh 55 something like that but um you know like he'd been going like he'd been in the folk scene in scotland since he was like 16 hmm. and like fucking the dudes as well um but he used to drink guinness by like the gallon and um he i remember i was like We'd always just go up to randoms that were like musicians and ask me and my brothers and just try and get money off them so that we could play like pinball machines and stuff because we were bored of, out of our skulls because we were in music venues and pubs and shit just fucking waiting for the sound check to be finished or whatever. Oh, during know? the day when it's light outside but it's dark yeah, inside. It, it all smells a, like last night's beer. And, it, yeah. No, totally. Like, uh, it's really funny because I remember the f- I always wanted a PV monitor speaker. I don't know why. But <laughs> I, wait so your kid, first your first musical desire was for something so you could hear yourself PV, i don't know i just thought these they looked really angular they were like I th- they looked like sports cars as speakers yeah you know what i mean like they're like fucking cool looking speakers so you in your room practicing putting your foot up on it and and <laughs> and air guitaring for when you get a guitar Dude, and singing into honestly no mic. i mean that sounds funny but i don't even know if i knew what they were for i just thought that they were the <laughs> cool looking speakers that looked all aerodynamic you know what i mean like like fucking ferraris you know like oh yeah so some kids um, got those horrible beds shaped like sports cars with all yeah. the really sharp fiberglass around the edge yeah that was not me i had a drum kit and you had a drum like, kit Actually, the guy from St. Jude is playing the exact same kit that I had. Um, oh, my God. And, yeah, it got given to me by my uncle. Um, it was just a total, like, one of those fucking freak scores that you get when you're a kid. And you're just mm-hmm. like, fuck, yeah. Usually we're eating beans on toast, you know. Dad's a musician. We're starving. <laughs> and then uh, you get this great fucking drum kit. And you're like, yes. So um, what's, the, how, what's the providence of that? How old is that drum kit now? 
Oh, I sold it when I was a teenager. I felt like a dick too. Like I've actually been trying to find one of those kits to buy it. It's you know <laughs> those kids like that adults that buy the Millennium Falcon when they get to like thirty or something. Yep. Like, um, for me, it's the Mapex, not Mapex, uh, Mertazan. Mertazan is that a kit? Uh, it's where the silver kit. It's mm. shit. It's like total plywood, but um, uh, I'm gonna get one once I have a space. Wow. And it'd be awesome, and I'll like I'll fix something inside me because I always felt like a dick for selling that when I was a kid. Well, Sell for, it for nothing as well. For the hundredth episode of the podcast, we'll have to get you back on, and we'll present you with a shitty drum kit that I found in spray painted <laughs> silver, and pretend that I found it because obviously I had no chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, like so that was it. Like, I just music was just my thing. Like, uh, and I I think I always knew that I was going to be a musician. You know. Uh, before you knew um, what being a musician was? Well, no, it was just, it was from the moment I was fucking born, man. Like, um, you know, like, I had the VHS of Cliff Richards and the Shadows reunion. My dad's also <laughs> in a really, like, um, interesting kind of, um, he likes sort of soft rock and folk. Like, mm-hmm. the 70s sort of folk revival, like James Taylor, John Denver. And then it kind of goes into the Carpenters and like Bread and um, all that. Cliff Richard, Neil Diamond, all magnificent songwriters like, uh, writing for other yeah, people too. Yeah, all, all really good, all really good, but very um, polished mm-hmm. and very clean cut. You know what yep. I mean? So I never, I didn't hear Led Zeppelin until I was twenty-one. You know what I mean? That like, would have been eye-opening. Yeah, it was amazing actually. <laughs> I remember it was good times, bad times. Um, the drums, I was just like, why haven't I heard this before? Wow, <laughs> it was amazing. I was like. Um, but yeah, like I grew up with very, very kind of clean cut, like the most edgy thing I would have heard was like ABBA, you know what I mean? Like, yep. and, hey, they, uh, had, they had edge, they oh, sang about like they, a I'm dancing not gonna teenager. Knock, I'm not going to knock any of the music that my dad <laughs> listens to, it's all really good and very yeah. well crafted and good music, but mm. I, I, yeah, like I think I remember thinking the Eagles was hard rock, you know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, um, so that was mm. just, yeah, that was it, but you know, like there was a... Uh, yeah, the drums, and then I joined, uh, yeah, my mum and dad split up when I was about twi- 11, 10, 12, something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then it was kind of like this thing where I sort of rebelled slightly against how I'd, what I'd been exposed to, so I joined a, a hip-hop band called Doghouse. No way! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what year was this? Uh, this would have been 92, so it was the oh. year Rage Against the Machine's first album came out. Blood yeah. Sugar, Second Magic was big as well. Do you know how many white kids started rapping because of that album? Well, I could say yeah, that show there was hands. definitely one here. <laughs> Who tried to rap as a white kid? Cause ra- yep, thank you. But the funny, yeah, the funny thing about that though is that um, I didn't know anything. Like, and these cool kids kind of like, nobody was stupid enough or not, like everybody was too embarrassed to be in their band. And they were like mm. the moshers. Because where I grew up in Scotland, like it was a very uncool thing to be um, into guitar music. Yeah. Euro techno and rave was like the thing. Yep. And uh, so if you had like long hair or even looked like you might listen to a guitar on a record, you were called a, you were deemed a mosher and therefore bullied. So being into rock music was like a fucking statement, whether you liked it or not. You know what I mean? So it was still um, a statement like forty years after when rock was a statement. Well, yeah. Ex- the, the, honestly, Fife is a fucking weird place. Like, I was talking to somebody recently. Um, on Facebook, actually, I put I, I was nostalgic, 
Um, and I found Rhythm as a Dancer by uh, Snap. Is it Snap? Rhythm mm, as a Dancer. Had a couple dancer. of knowing now, nods out there. Yeah. Now yeah. that, honestly, that came out the same year as Teen Spirit. And this feels like Teen Spirit. Ooh. And I'm not joking. Nobody in my fucking first year of high school knew, apart from maybe like five people, nobody knew this feels like Teen Spirit. But wow. they all knew Rhythm as a Dancer. And that was the yep. fucking weird vortex that is fucking Fife. Weird. So there's a whole town um, out there right now in Scotland that's well, totally bewildered by all this. Well, Kirkcaldy, Bowery High School. I can only say this is what it was like in Bowery High School for the first and second years in 1992. You know what I mean? Um, Let's do it. I remember the high school, the, 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 the disco that we had and everybody looking like little ravers, you know? <laughs> Like all this sort of shit. Giant platform and, uh, shoes and like and shiny I stuff. They, I think they, yeah. And I think they played Rhythm as a Dancer like five times. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you know, because it was just, everybody went so nuts for it. And um, like, so we, we really did miss grunge. That was an alternative decision that you made. And once you made that decision, you were an outcast. And it was all right for me because I was already an outcast. Hmm. So instead of trying to fit in, I just went, fuck it. Give me my fucking holy card again. Um, mm-hmm. And just stopped washing. Bit of um, flannelette. That was it. Wash totally. your hair with soap. Nah, I, I didn't even wash my hair. Ah, uh, that was Kurt's thing. Yeah. yeah. And I had these braces as well. And I, I had my first <laughs> sexual encounter when I was uh, about 12. Do tell. Um, oh, I, was, I just touched her fanny. I didn't actually do anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and uh, that was on the, this, the, the, the trip to Germany, a high school, the high school trip, you know? Yeah, and um, so the sister city that you'd visited um, seven yeah, years before. Yeah, so like, that's right. Yeah, it was a little. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've got this little relationship with that place. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, I went there and there was this girl. Um, I'm not going to name her because I'm aware this will be on the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had this little exchange of touching, and um, yeah, it was pretty cool actually. Um, um, anyway, and then I got braces as soon as I got back from that trip. I got braces to straighten my teeth. Yeah, that'll straighten you up. And then I was like, um, and then I was in like a mosher band and that was it. Not, not one girl looked at me through like the whole high school until I got to about 17. You were just untouchable. And, uh, no, it was just because like, my face turned into like a fucking crater zone as well. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's just classic. But I mean, it was just the outcast thing, you know, like, and I sat quite comfortably in it too. I was like, all right, well, here's an identity for myself, you know? So we, we we just there was about fucking four or five of us that hung out. We'd walk around the the high school grounds and get people would just throw shit at us and like diss us. But oh you fucking moshers, you know, which mm. means rocker. Yeah. Um and we'd just be like, Yeah man, this is the pain that Kurt would have gone through. Yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah. that was it. That was our identity. And we'd spend fucking six hours each day at the weekend in our my mate's bedroom playing our cheap instruments mm-hmm. rocking with fucking passion man like really like being shit but fucking feeling it mm-hmm. and um i remember glastonbury 94 because this you know this is like a number of years of that sort of 94 glastonbury sold out sold out um so the bbc got the rights to show it live big time that was um, a big thing yeah at the time. and uh so we we were band practicing because that's all we did at the weekends you know mm-hmm. It was amazing, man. I it was like I fucking still do that now. You know, like I I actually you know all the bands that I'm in, like, you know, everyone's got to balance all their other life things. You know, yep. we're grown ups now. 
but that beautiful thing about just sitting standing in a room for six hours at a time with not even any agenda without any fucking mapped out well we've got it we've got a gig next week we need to know such and such or we're rehearsing for a release this was just we've got our instruments on we want to be around each other Mm -hmm. and let's fucking play you know and it was beautiful stuff and like at the time we just hated school we're like we can't wait until we're in the real world when we don't have to have any problems you know uh, yeah you know i like, remember thinking that um you know you're like fuck but yeah. it was amazing too i remember like because i never had any money but like for like a buck or something you could get these like chocolate rolls like you know they were like they're like paste not pastry what's the stuff called it's like puff pastry. puff pastry yeah oh i don't know it's fluffy and it fluffy sticks and it's got flakes and off. you roll it up you get them at christmas no, a it's like a perfect roll. We're getting cream suggestions it, from the audience, but it's like massive fucking log, like chocolate. It's like it's not quite, and it's dipped, and it was made by it was made by Cadbury's Swiss roll. Good man, good man. It was a giant Swiss roll, dipped in chocolate, made by Cadbury's, right? Yep. And fuck, they were the best. And I would just have one of them to eat. And then nowadays, if I eat just even half of one of them, I'd be. But like you're a little kid and you just like fucking yeah. And that'd be lunch. We'd go around to the garage and then we'd go back and then we'd fucking rock out to playing Green Day songs or something. And that's still your thing these days. You still go on the weekend and you lock Eat yourself chocolate. in a room and well, plus or minus the eclair, considering you wouldn't know how to order one in a bar because you don't know what it's called. Nah, yeah, I mean, no, nah, I, 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 uh, I crave that. You know, fucking the blues band that we just started, like, you know, we played our first couple of shows on on like a three four hour rehearsal that was it you know yeah. what i mean like we never get the indulgence or i don't get the indulgence in any of my projects now to really just lock myself away and do something without any agenda you know what i mean like I feel uh, like there's always a plan there's always there's a always it has to be man because you know time's so fucking precious when you're growing up you know what i mean like, it is isn't it you know like you're, you're trying to... I've got an eight-piece band in the Devil's Union, you know? Yeah. I've got to coordinate eight people's calendars to, to, to get together to rehearse. So whenever we do get to rehearse, there's always a purpose for it. You know, mm. it's not just like, hey, what are we doing Saturday? Or fucking rehearsing for no reason. Because that, that would be the day that everybody gets to do the other things that grown-ups have to do. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure catch every, up on all the stuff that yeah, they didn't get to do. And I'm sure that everybody would have, in the band would love to be catching up and just making aimless music for a hell of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's not the luxury that fucking musicians that actually try and half make a living from it mm. get. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. So it's all the more amazing that you've got so many guest stars on your latest album. Because you've just recorded your second album, right? With uh, Devil's Union? Yeah. I've, well, yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I, I just... Last year, I spent the whole fucking year... Well, actually, no, I didn't. I spent moments in the year mm -hmm. intensely recording, but the focus in my brain was this project. But um, it's funny because I thought it was for an album, but then obviously about September or something, or at some point in the year, whatever I was musing on, I'd resolved in my head, and I switched gears... Mm -hmm. so like I've got about seven songs that sit together fine on this on one release and then I've got like four or five other songs that just fucking don't fit on the record you know what I mean yeah perils of not working with a producer 
Oh yeah, because um, they'd straighten you right out, right? Yeah, because well, they'd just go, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, chuck it, chuck them in the bin. So dig them up later. What I've, what I've found is that um, I've just that's the meeting I had just before I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you were you were locked. He came in from outside and he said, "Oh man, it's good to see you. I've just been locked in the in in the car because it's the only place I've got speakers." Talking to this guy because I, I it's, it's, what's the only chance you had to meet up with him or something? So you yeah, just I, I almost forgot as well. Um, nah, but it's cool, man. Like you know, it's just sleep's not an option. Uh, but um, no, what's what's actually happened is that it looks like I've got a seven-track, like a long EP mm-hmm. that is fucking that sits well, and then I've got two songs that are just completely like what, like uh, probably some sort of poppy. 70s not quite <laughs> we haven't gone there yet um now nah, like sort of pop a bit springsteen pop sort of area like so i might i'd love to put that stuff out but it would probably have to be on its own like double a side or something you know yeah I mean? do like, a little uh, re- do a single release yeah. go back to the 50s so it could be could be that um and then i've got this um these other two that i think actually are well definitely are they they were the seed um of the next thing which is going to be uh um well a, f- a full album which is going to be like more a, more representation of what i do in my acoustic shows you know what i mean yeah because like, there's this one song called don't weep my bonnie lassie that i was really feeling really good about um and i thought wow this is like fucking one of the best songs i've ever written ever let alone just on the album though mm-hmm. But then I found that I was having to hide that song up the back in the album because it didn't really sit thematically with the rest of the stuff. Yeah. So it was like, it was getting put in like a really, and I was like, you know what? Let's just do what the music wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Like instead of battling with it. So I've got this EP called The Decapitation Blues. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty thematic thing. All the lyrics, are, there's every song's somehow related actually almost. It's almost fucking concept, you know? That's a rich um, area because no one's going to be happier after being decapitated. <laughs> so you've got a lot to work oh, with. It's a metaphor, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, and then, then I've got this other thing that I'm, I've already, as soon as the fucking light went off in my head for how, how it would exist, mm-hmm. my creative being, you know, like that, it's just the fucking flaws, like, songs just started happening you know what i mean so um but that's how it works eh? you know like if you've got like a band with a saxophone you're gonna start thinking about all the cool shit you can do with a saxophone you know what i mean like yeah like that's not that i've got saxophone on any of these but you know what i mean yeah so suddenly i was like thinking in a a, the space of solo acoustic song based record Mm -hmm. so it's like suddenly the the riff things stopped and you know like so is that how you ended up with all the crazy guest stars because you were hearing stuff that you didn't have in your band are you yeah you're talking about the first album um the first album with the brothers grimm and and all sorts on it oh um no that wow is that a reveal i don't want to give that away well um no james helped me out um on the the ep the one that's Mm. yet to be released will be getting released now that i got a job this week yeah Um, oh congratulations yeah, but um, the guest... I had shitloads of guest stars in the first one, too. But, mate, you know what it is? We've got a fucking... It's a good little place to live, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. And, um, yeah, of course, everybody... Like, I've got this tendency to kind of get epic. And I'm, I'm trying with this next one to try and uh, not throw the kitchen sink at it. Rain you in know your what epicness. I mean? Yeah, just like, still be, you know. But, um, but, yeah, the first one, man, it was just like... Um, 
Well, shall I open that? Yeah. Yeah. Open whatever box you got to open. I don't know. I'd love to see. Hear the I, first I, album. I always play gigs, and people say I talk too much. Ah. <laughs> uh, anybody in the room who happens to know me will know that that's exactly the same thing. It's getting to the point now where I play a gig and afterwards I get five compliments about, oh, your banter was really entertaining, yeah. and then one one and every now and then it's like. Hey, I really like that second song in the set. And I think, huh, yeah. maybe I should just be talking. That's yeah. what happened to Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly was a banjo uke playing musician and yep. people kept complimenting these jokes that he'd tell in between songs. He was, now in, look the, at him. He was in the band with Jerry Rafferty. Um, <laughs> and uh, what kept on happening was that the, they were only playing like four songs in a set. Because Billy, Con <laughs> Billy Conley's introductions just got longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and Jerry Rafferty's just like, maybe we should go solo. Because you know? yeah. <laughs> I want to play my songs. Fuck you. you know? Yeah, fair enough. Um, humble bums, they were called. Yeah. Oh, God. That's yeah. made to be a comedy outfit. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, that. it's funny because it, it, he claims that he, he didn't know that he was a comedian. And it's like one day he like, played his first gig that was... Um, they didn't bother picking up his guitar mm. and then he went oh fuck ah. i'm a comedian <laughs> <laughs> that's the get that's the moment where he's like oh yeah, shit yeah. <laughs> um, yeah what was it the first album yeah well yeah the first album was meant to be a solo thing i thought i was going to be dead um so you'd planned on less than one person recording the album i well, i wasn't i was in spun rivals um and uh, everything was kind of going all right for us. We were kind of like a little bit of a buzz in the pan, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, I, for the first time in my life, got a little bit anxious. And um, About the oncoming success? No, or? not even. I think the, the company I'd been working for uh, was having trouble and I'd, I'd moved jobs because I needed to move but for the first time in my life I felt a little bit anxious and um, my ex-wife she goes um, why don't you take go to the doctor and he'll give you this magic pill and it'll solve all your problems and you'll be fine and I was a bit younger at the time and I thought well that sounds fucking easy so I went to the, the doctor and he gave me this magic pill I took it and had a bad reaction to it. Um, um, what happened next was pretty fucking crazy. Um, so all at the same time, I'm trying to, you know, dedicate myself, you know, be the musician, be the person that I am, you know, and be in this band. Um, but I, yeah, I had this bad reaction and it was kind of like, I was doing really weird things. And um, the guy... Uh, I went to the specialist because the GP went, you've got to go and see the specialist now, you know? Mm -hmm. And he diagnosed me, misdiagnosed me, by the way, um, as bipolar, um, based on the way that I was uh, behaving on this tablet. But not with but regard not, to your history. But not, yeah, exactly. Anyway, just to let you know that he's no longer practicing medicine because he got fucking fired because of malpractice not from something that was related to me but something something else oh man was that but, i mean was that um, a good day for you when you heard that or was that oh uh, mate I, I don't even know man because like it, what actually was it, what happened after i disappeared mm. for about three years 
he gave me a cocktail a fucking huge cocktail as well of um stuff that actually even if you have got bipolar you shouldn't give to somebody um like on every level he uh yeah water would be great brother thanks on every level he fucked it right one he misdiagnosed me two the stuff that he gave me conflicted with each other oh, no. um and he gave me really high dosages of it you know what i mean straight off um, the bat no this was this was over time yeah. but by the end of it um by the end of it i went to uh, 127 kilos i was huge for those of you listening at home on a podcast, he's definitely nowhere near 127 kilos yeah. right now. <laughs> thanks, he's man. Looking, you're looking svelte, man. Oh, you look thanks, great. man. It's been a long road, to be honest. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, this is... The, I'm not trying to do the sob story. Like, uh, this is just... The, this is in direct relationship to the, the, the story about the album. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, all that shit went down. And then I, I don't really remember actually much that happened. Uh, I, I, I speak to Clayton from Spun Rivals all the time, you know, but some, when we talk about the old days, I've got everything all muddled up, uh, if, I, if, I do, if I remember it at all. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, and it's a real shame because, you know, I lost a fucking chunk of my 20s. You know what I mean? Thanks, yeah, man. and so you, do you feel like you're getting um, a lot of those stories secondhand? Oh, mate, it's just the fucking Polaroid picture. I mean, I've got girlfriends that I had after... Well, yeah, because what happened was that the band split up and my marriage failed, you know, um, as a result of just me not being part of the human race, you know? Wow. So um, I moved into, like, um, Clayton's place from the Spunners. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how it all ended up, but I ended up, like, sleeping on the fucking futon that had been out in the back garden, um, living on a credit card because I couldn't go into work. Um and just living shit. Like, you, you, if you took a photograph of my bedroom back then, it would you would have thought, oh, is there a heroin addict in there? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I uh, couldn't wake up. And when I did wake up, I was, um, you know, it was all the wrong hours. And uh, I had a ravenous appetite, you know. Um, um, but it got to the point where I was shaking all the time. Um, if I did anything at all, like walk to my letterbox, I'd be breaking out in hives. I had to mm. stop gigging. Um, and um, I started seeing things. I, it was funny. I, I never really told anyone about that. But yeah, I used to see spiders. Wow. Um, and I would start to hear things too. And this is all because of the drugs I was on, you know? Yeah. Anyway, it got to a point where I was just, I, I felt like my flame was about out. You know, like I, I maybe if you think about yourself as a, like a sort of physical thing, I was a grain of sand at this point, you know, like I was, I was about gone, you know? And, um, fucking i bumped into an old mate i'd not really seen thing is all my friends were just over it too because everybody that would say hey rich how you doing it's like oh it's a struggle but i'm gonna get there you know and yeah. people were just like yeah i don't really want to speak to rich anymore he's a downer you know what i mean like uh that's the so, unspoken most you know, difficult part of dealing of, of helping a friend is in that situation mm. right you see friends like that and you you're good to them for a long time well, but you the, prob the other thing is, is my, my identity had been changed as fuck up guy. You know what I mean? And mm. nobody knew that I was on a... Nobody knew that I had a state-approved drug problem. People just thought that Rich is mentally ill and he's not making things easy for himself. What a dick. You know what I mean? Right. We've tried to help him, but it's his own worst enemy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was a really lonely time. Um. And, uh, like, yeah, the band had sort of dissolved and uh and 
yeah, I've got girlfriends I don't even remember going out with. And then you, you know, like I know that I went out with them. Fucking some of them, I really wish I could remember more. Um, <laughs> um, because um, yeah, I'd have these like manic days where I'd be up for like four days straight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and then it'd be like down. You know. <laughs> and then you bumped into and this friend. Um, what friend was I talking about? Well, you, 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 we got the first line of that story. You said you bumped into a friend, and it sounded like that was the turning point. Oh fuck! Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Just like, yeah. Take it See, away, Rich. Billy Conley wouldn't have needed that because he always comes back, you know, in the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bumped into my friend. Uh, do you remember Gareth Eunson and the Graveyard Sons? Back back in the day, yeah. I don't because I'm not from around here, but uh, somebody okay. in the audience yeah, does. They were really, really good old around. country band from back in the day. And his uh, now wife, um, she's a social worker, and she said, um, you know what, go down to the Northside Clinic they've got some guys the gps they're really good um and shout I, out for uh, the Northside clinic good to hear I, boom yeah anyway i went back to that old doctor and i said right look this is i've got this I, I, honestly i didn't say anything near as assertively because i was crawling at that point i was gone i said i'm a grain of sand i think in any other aspects of anyone's life you would think that we've been trying this one approach and I've been getting worse. Therefore, maybe we should try another approach. Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying that I'm not bipolar. I'm just saying maybe we should try something else. You know what I mean? I said, what, are we trying less drugs? He says, well, Rich, we can give you more drugs, but we can't give you less drugs because if you do something stupid like spend all your money then we can't be responsible for that. It says, I've got no fucking money. I've got no fucking quality of life. And it's mm -hmm. actually at a point now where it was like, even not necessarily health, like going to die. I'd maxed out like a 20 grand credit card. You oh, know what I mean? Man, there's the last thing you need. Like I was about to drop out of society. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so anyway, I left there and uh I'm really glad I did too because um, I, I, this is the thing normal rational thought was not coming easily to me mm -hmm. I went down to Northside Clinic and I said here's what I think might have happened I think that I was judged or, or misdiagnosed or, or something I think that the drugs aren't working you know yeah. and he says for starters just tell me what drugs you're on and he about to fell off his fucking chair and I was like oh Right, he says. Well, look, we need to get you off these, regardless. Right, um, so it will take you two years to wean you off. Ugh. And I said, dude, I'm. I don't have two years. I honestly, I know it. That I don't have two years. Um, so I went home. Christmas holidays were about to occur, and um, I'd not been going to work anyway. But something in the psychology of it made me feel like it would be easier. So I went cold turkey off one of them. And uh, and then over the next seven months, I shaved off a tiny little bit. That's the one that really could have given me a heart attack if I jumped off or that one, you know. Um, but that was fucked anyway. Going off it in seven months was nuts. And I was still shaking and I was still like fucking completely gone. But you know what? That's how I was living anyway. Like, um, like that was, it was the same. It's just that I had a light at the end of the tunnel. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, so like, yeah, by the fucking and that was over the time that we recorded the first album, and that was what that's how it relates back to the first album because yeah. 
um, I realised that I'd been identified by anybody that knew me for a long time. Music, just just me, and but I'd been identified as the music guy, and I thought, well, if if, if I really am gonna die, I I I really don't want to die without having an album, you know. Yeah. I'd, I'd always had EPs with indie bands and stuff, but I'd never had an album, and I'd always thought that was something that I would do in my life, you know. Yeah, and I it's thought a, it's a if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if the, if I'm gonna die, I want to make an album, um, and I I didn't even know if I would actually release it either. Um, I thought maybe I would just give it to my friends, or I I thought maybe I didn't even know for sure if I'd be able to play it live, because I couldn't. I couldn't even remember lyrics. I had I, I, my brain was fucked. I had to read everything, and mm. um, but I thought maybe that I would uh, I would maybe play one gig and just and bow out, you know. Um, but um, so we, over the course of the record making the record, so that's why it's such a fucking dark album, you know. Like it's just all like like closing the. It's all about death. Oh, it's not. It's that's a metaphor that's frequently used, but. It's all about closing books. It's mm -hmm. all about, you know, killing where I was, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I started off maybe just as a goodbye, um, and then I guess actually towards the 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 end, it was more like a defiant. I'm fucking alive, you know what I mean? Like so you're pulling um, it together. Sort of. I mean, recording. we did the bulk of the recording when I was still in the withdrawal process, and. Uh, I was having to go for like little naps secretly because I tried to like John from here. He um, um, is the bass player in the band, and but I didn't want to tell anybody like because I only met John well, a couple of years like a year before that at that point. Mm -hmm. So I mean we're old friends now, but it's you know. But I didn't want to. It was weird. It's some sort of weird man thing where I didn't want to appear weak because I was meant to be the leader of the the band. So I was like, well. I don't want to let anyone down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you feel like your name's yeah. on it. You've got to be the well, guy who's I driving it. I just wanted to be. I wanted to. I, I wanted to be the spearhead of the. Hey, everybody! Uh, here's the energy that you need to to do it. You know what I mean? And it takes a and, um, lot of energy. So I was going for like secret naps or lying down and stuff like this in the recording sessions. Just like I'm going to the loo for half an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know. Yeah. And um. And it's just kind of weird, you know, like, so that was a, it was a real, it was funny because, like, although I was physically and emotionally fucked, there was, I was, it kept me alive, the album. Like, doing the album was, like, something that really, and I'm really proud of the record. I really am, even now. Like, like, there's certain things that would have done differently now and stuff like that, as, as always, mm. with anything you do. But... Um, I, I hope that I never need an album like I needed that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it's way more than, a, way more than just an album for me. Um, and uh, we did the last song of it actually a couple of months after because I wrote this song called Buy Me a Pony um, a couple of months after we'd done the main tracking. Mm -hmm. And I said to John, I said, well, we've got, I think we've got a really strong song for the start of the next one, you know? Yeah. And he said, what? Buy Me a Pony's not going to be on the one you've not released yet. <laughs> Fucking put that on, man. It's a good song, you know? And mm -hmm. I went, so it's kind of funny because it doesn't, it's actually, when you listen, I, I think Clever Track Listing made it work. Yeah. But if you think about it, knowing that, I do think it, 
actually sounds a bit odd on the album you mm-hmm. know what i mean and it definitely sounds more in tune with the stuff from the next set of songs which is the decapitation blues stuff i was talking about which is a I mean? familiar story because that's just what you're going through now with, the, with um, the songs you have ready for the next recording well, true yeah yeah i guess yeah. but you know it's just because i'm an independent artist and nobody's actually going to put it out unless i fucking do it myself and yeah i guess um like that's the part that i'm not so good at <laughs> yeah but you got it out and you played what was going to be the throw the, the the one gig did it feel yeah, like the one did. gig well it's funny yeah it's true I, I mean i realized by the time we did buy me pony i kept on looking at my arms because we'd done like a 16 hour recording session that day Ugh. and i wasn't like shaking and i couldn't i kept on looking at my arms like i kept on doing it for ages because i just expected i, I wasn't sure if i was out of the woods yet you know i was like kept on looking at my arms like oh there's no hives oh cool ah uh-huh, so that's your your you test know, you're looking for the dog i was like in. oh fuck we've been going for ages i've been having a lot of fun had all my friends involved i had like the guys from little red i had fucking um mietta from the good china and fucking mm-hmm. just like fucking everybody every, all my pals a lot of them that i'd not seen in a while because i'd been like a total recluse like shaken you know yeah. and um and it was just great to see everyone we were in the studio and i was conducting them and i was like i'm alive <laughs> and uh needless to say less naps at yeah. this point oh well, yeah it was just great and this is the last session the last tracking session and oh i was just like fuck i'm back you know because like when i was bedridden I, all i wanted to do was jump in the sea and make music like two things i wanted to do yeah and so about the same time as well um that was when uh, the sun started to come out a little bit because it had been the winter and and i just like I was way fat and I didn't have any fitness and all my muscles had gone but I was jumping in the sea and getting absolutely pummeled by the waves just going yes yeah and um <laughs> it was just good to, it's good to be alive man and that's a perspective that's gone with me you know and I think that was probably what is funny that's different about the that set of songs that we're talking about for the EP the decapitation blues set because yeah. I think that a lot of that air this the stuff that sits in that theme there is a defiant because it's like post the first album was maybe fuck i might be dead let's just fucking goodbye you know what i mean yeah and then this this second release is more like a fucking um motherfucking <laughs> yeah, yeah yes yeah. <laughs> i'm fucking just defiantly alive motherfuckers. you know flowing in the breeze um, i'm me and fuck you you know um wow. uh, i don't know man but it's just kind of like you know it's good to be live and and i guess i just kind of chilled out more on that vibe halfway through the year yeah and was like cool i'm all right now i, I don't need to be going around walking like this all the time yeah. you know what but I mean? then you like, find yourself in ordinary life right that's it man yeah, yeah. and that's it and like like i said to a friend the other day somebody asked me how it was going and i said it's great this hasn't be, i haven't talked about this in a long time therefore it's in my past yeah. Cause you know, like if you're talking about it, then it's in your present. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's great. You know, um, like, but that was the story of the first album, and it's just the same. Music's always been there to save me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It saved me from the bullies when I was a kid. It, it music is more than just music for me. You know, it, like it is mm. my lifeline. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that I'm any different to many musicians. You know what I mean? Like. But I, I'm Scottish, so people think it's novel when I talk about that. Oh well, no. I think there's probably a little bit of depth in there that your your average man on the stage probably can't <laughs> boast. I mean, a lot a lot of people are gonna pretend it, maybe. But it sounds like you've got the real deal. 
Oh, yeah. Underneath it all. Show me the money, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you know, as you said to me before, and you were just hinting at there, I mean, that they say the the man who is happy is a man without a past and the man who's sad is a man who's always looking backwards right you, i mean you yeah it's all about how you look at your past not how bad your past was well that goes to my motivational speaking thing like uh yeah we were, we were floating the idea of rich davies motivational speaker you've heard part yeah. one in which he details his difficult backstory. oh yeah here we the, go and this is me oh. you should hear the pep up i got before the stage because i was I was wandering around <laughs> lost before this podcast with no idea what to do, and Rich came in and and pulled we me def- out of the we slump. We define right. This this sounds. Bear with me. <laughs> you can. Oh, geez, this does sound motivational, speaker. I believe in you, Rich. I believe in you, Rich. You've got. Sing it. Right. We, everyone's got a past, right? So, just imagine you were going to write your autobiography right now, right? Now, that would be in your present, right? And that autobiography would be what shapes other people's view and maybe even your own view of yourself in the future. Now, depending on what fucking mood you're in, right, you're going to view your own past in a different way. Now, I was talking about um, the good example of um, compliments and dissents. So, your your regular person, oh, um, that was a really good set you played tonight rich are good on you you've got a good voice and you know in the way i've fucking been in the world you know i've been like oh my god i managed to karate chop that compliment away into some other place that i don't need to take it on board for those listening home we have some great bruce lee shit happening on stage right now there's some feet in the air but thank fuck for that though like you know you're like oh my god because the worst thing ever would be able to accept a compliment (gasps) Um, God forbid. And exactly, and then fucking we all do it. Everybody does it, you know. And then it's like standard lines, like, "Oh, here's a compliment, ha ha, witty, fucking written, fucking material, back at you, thanks, managed to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Not take that on board." Um, and then someday, you know, you get a new pair of jeans, and somebody goes, "Your arse looks big in that," and uh, and you're like, "Fuck you!" But then the next day, next day you're walking down the street. And uh, you're not remembering that somebody said something nice to you yesterday. You remember going, you're like, oh, fuck. You know, looking at looking at your arse, going, oh, shit, it's big. <laughs> and then that happens to be the moment that the love of your life fucking walked past on the other side of the road when you were looking at how big your arse was instead of standing up tall going, I was complimented yesterday. Um, <laughs> oh, well, hello, love of my life. How are you doing? And that's pretty basic stuff, but I'm just saying, like, fucking... You can look at your past and go, hey, I, that was good. That was a good story. That's a good fucking past. The, whatever it was, I did it well. Or I, you can choose to fucking be positive or negative about that. And I've, I've meant, I, I speak to a lot of people about this kind of stuff because I guess people just fucking talk to me about shit. And like, you know, that, lots that of includes people, me. Lots of people seem to be really hung up on their past and you know, people going fucking. Oh, that's not me, you know? And it's like, shut up. If you want that to be you, fucking make it you, you know? Like, uh, and like, yeah, I just say fucking be who you fucking want to be, regardless of what some asshole might have told you or fucking some bullshit, you know? Including yourself. Exactly. The tapes that you're fucking playing in your head that don't even have any relevance to you anymore 
and you collect those little you know and cassettes are fucking done man you know like <laughs> you know you know on the message of cassettes a fucking done man as much as i want to hear part two we're gonna have to we're gonna have up. to wrap it up yeah yeah for real i, uh, I just want to sit here and keep talking mate we could definitely do that <laughs> we could we could i mean there's the everyone started <laughs> <laughs> look we're gonna have to get you back man i can't thank you enough for coming in and talking to us Everybody, guys, get a round of applause for Rich Davies. Thanks, a lot. Thanks so much, man. Your man, your man. You've broken the seal for me now. You've broken the seal for me. This is now a real thing. Ah, thank you so much, man. We're gonna get to hear from Rich in a moment. We may not get to hear as much of him as we want to because if you could listen to him talk, or you could listen oh, to him no. play. I, I made the executive decision that we were gonna listen to him talk. We'll get him back up here again on Wait Long by the River as soon as we can. But until then, thanks so much for coming and supporting the first episode of this podcast. With any luck, with any luck, we'll be back in a month. Uh, If they still want to have us here, uh, you know, drop in a good word for us on the way out there. Come and give us your email because we're going to let you guys have the inside goss on who's coming up ahead of time and you can maybe suggest some questions or, and shout out to the people in the audience who gave me some sweet Rich Davies backstory. You can maybe be my super sleuths out on the street telling me what to ask about. Thanks so much to Sun Velvet Morning for having us. Thanks again to all you guys for coming and Rich, I can't thank you enough, man. I can't wait to listen to your set. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the first Wait Long by the River podcast. We're going to be releasing every couple of weeks. Next episode is going to be with Sarah Kaur. She's a fantastic video artist. If you liked what you listened to, look us up on Facebook, on Twitter, at Long by the River. Uh, We've got waitlongbytheriver.com, which is probably where you downloaded this podcast. If you didn't, I handed it to you in person somehow. But now you know. So send me an email, send me a tweet. Even if you didn't like it, let me know what went wrong and that'll probably benefit the human race in the future. We're going to be recording live the first Wednesday of every month at Some Velvet Morning in Clifton Hill. I really hope to see you there. In the meantime, check out Rich Davies online. He's on Facebook and everything else that the internet has to offer. Catch ya. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just like, yeah. See, Billy Conley wouldn't have needed that.